Have you guys um, ever had a moment where things happened in your life? Maybe your poor choices, the wrong people you interacted with, or people who sold you a bad bill of sales and then when you finally got involved with them, you're like, ooh, snap. <laughs> and you just want it in that moment to just do a do-over, to erase everything. So what if we really had this eraser, this magical eraser that could erase it and everything, just all of it? What, what would we erase? I mean, I know for me, it would be, you know, some of the beliefs that I have, um, those inherited weaknesses and things like that that I talk about in my book, I, I would definitely erase those. I would erase a lot of the, well, not a lot, but several, ah, a lot, <laughs> relationships that um, caused me to detour off the path that I wanted. Um, but in, in doing that, we miss the very essence of who we are. So let me just kind of explain what the eraser mentality is and, and then I'll come back to how I got there. Let me start with how I got here. Uh, Melinda asked me in October, no, it's August, September, August. She said, Penny, would you be willing to do, to fill in for me? And I just wanna say, Melinda, thank you again for trusting your congregation, your souls, your spirits uh, to me in your absence while she's off doing um, real work so uh, and better work to expand herself. Um, I hate to say real work because you all her work. Um, but I just thank her for entrusting me uh, again with you all. But she asked me to, to do this and I was like, oh, why, why am I calling this into my experience? This, this is not what I wanted to do. This is not me, this right here. Uh, I'm a teacher, I'm not a preacher. <laughs> so, uh, so I said, okay, okay. And then of course I saw Nancy's face saying, yeah, yeah, do it, do it. <laughs> so I said, yes, of course. And so she said, well, you have to give me something, you know, about what you want to talk about by, you know, mid-September. Well, the first of September, I was going to Big Sky with Nancy to hang out there with a retreat. And so I said, okay, okay, I'll go, but I'm gonna go to, the, I'll give you something and hopefully by the retreat, because Melinda was there as well. So hopefully at the retreat, I'll come up, God will bring me something. Well, as faithful as my divine allies are, they started my process uh, long before I got there. And it just happened that, um, the events led to me coming up later with the eraser mentality. And guess what? There is a real thing about that, okay? But that's what came to me. But when we talk, when I talk about the eraser mentality, we do that, we engage in that action when we play small. When we are playing small, when we are comparing ourselves to others, when we wish we could be someone else, holding a victim mentality, holding on to guilt and regret about our poor choices or our decisions, being envious or jealous of others, wishing for another outcome, self-deprecation, ashamed of our backstory, repressing our emotions or our instincts for the sake of pleasing others' egos, not to threaten them too much, 
Those are all the things along with feeling that we're not good enough. That's how we begin to act in the eraser mentality. Over the years, I have struggled with all of these acts of eraser mentality and more. I used to have this thing of wanting to get selective amnesia. <laughs> if I could just forget that it ever happened, um, then I could have start off with a clean slate. If that choice that I made would somehow I could erase that all and do it over. And I remember years ago that I once I, I had an intimate apparel store and, and I found myself sitting on the curb outside the store in great anguish, uh, beating myself up because for a year and a half, uh, you know, to own a store, a clothing store, I was, it was an intimate apparel store for full-size women and men, and you have to buy inventory to be in there, right? And this stuff got to be in there to sell. And so I would be asking everybody, how do I do this? How do I get inventory? Because I didn't know anything about it, none at all. But I knew that God had called me to do that. And nobody would help. And so we didn't have the internet as we have it now. So there was no way of going and looking and all that other stuff. And so I came across what they call jobbers. These are third-party people who go to the actual uh, buyer's mark, buys things, sells it to you at a discount, but not the, the point that you would get it at, okay, if you were going to the Dallas Mark. So I was paying the middleman, which increased my prices for my customers, and that's not what I wanted. And so after a year and a half, I find out that I was spending more money than I really needed to. I was just so angry at myself. I was mad at myself. I, I just felt disappointed in who I was. And I sit on the curb out there in the parking lot, and I just was ready to just cry. And I said, if I only knew then what I know now, and I just kept saying that. And finally, Spirit said, stop saying that. <laughs> the only reason you know what you know now is what you, because of what you went through. He said it's called experienced wisdom. So I was like, okay. <laughs> but I don't think because that happened that somehow the eraser mentality just kind of like goes away. It does not. Um, I just recently engaged in the eraser mentality again. And it was just prior to going to the retreat. And it started on a Thursday. Nancy and I left on that Saturday morning early, but it started, my preparation for being here for this message started on Thursday. I got a call from what found out to be scammers. And they called me saying that there was this great uh, deal that uh, AT&T and Target was partnering together to give their valued long-term customers this great deal uh, and, and all this other stuff. So not to belabor the story, but I got scammed for $200. But in the process of the scam, I was like, now mind you, first off, Spirit had already been dropping nuggets, dropping nuggets when, the, and when, they, when they first contacted me. But you know how we are. Our intellectual selves, we got this. I, you know, I, I, can, I can tell a scammer, 
you know, when they, yeah, well, they got some good stuff out here now, so don't fool yourself. So, so I'm like, okay, I go and do what they tell me to do and all this other stuff, and I'm, you know, and it, and it all sounded real. They had the AT&T chime and all that junk, you know? And so I then, in the midst of the actual scamming, I was like, hold on, spirit turned up the volume. Since you can't hear, darn it, so, and I get on my cell phone and I try to call Target and AT&T to verify this thing. Well, I can't get Target, but I get AT&T right away. Thank you, my spirits. And so I start asking the AT&T person, is this real? He goes, well, I know nothing about that. And so he starts, and now I was able to stall the scammers long enough but the sad part about it, they had already got the money. I didn't know that. But what they were doing was trying to scam me to get more money by saying, oh, it didn't work. Your card didn't work. Your card didn't, you got to go and do it again. And so I was like, oh, my God. Okay, so this is what stopped me. And then I was like, volume turned up. And I called AT&T. They said, no, that's, that's not a, a. So the, the AT&T person, representative says, the real one, says, starts telling me to ask these, these different questions, which I wouldn't have known to ask. And so I put the scammer on speakerphone and so that the AT&T guy could hear what was being said. And I had my earbuds on for my cell phone. And the, the AT&T guy was telling me what to ask and tell this other guy. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so when I got to the point of saying, well, you won't mind if I, and this guy knew, I, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I don't know, mortified how he knew my AT&T account information. So that's really what, what got me on that. Uh, but when the other AT&T real representative told, started telling me to call or ask these questions, then that's when it came. So when I said, you don't mind if I call the AT&T representative, the guy got angry. And he said, you're already talking to him, and he hung up the phone. <laughs> sure sign a scammer. <laughs> you start asking hard questions, then they get angry and they hang up. So this happened on a Thursday. I'm now beating myself up because I finally get a hold of Target and Target says, yeah, they already got the money. And so I was like, dang, I didn't say that, I said. <laughs> and so I'm like beating myself up, beating myself up. I'm like, how could I have done this? I'm too old for this, I know better. I should have listened and I'm just beating myself up. And now I'm into the eraser mentality of calling myself uh, all these derogatory names and referring to myself as, as not good enough, not smart enough. You know, I should have known better and all those things. And if I could only go back and, and redo things, none of that happened. So Friday, of course, I do call Target and, you know, they say, well, you know, scammers and we can't do anything about them, but we'll see what we can do. And so I was like, they're not going to be able to do nothing because I've heard too many stories. My granddaughter went through a scam and she didn't, the police didn't care and she didn't get a dime back. And so I just, everybody else has said the same thing. So I was like, I've talked it up for whatever. And so I went on that Thursday, I'm still beating myself up. Friday, I'm beating myself up. But Friday night, I decide just before I'm getting ready to leave, I said, Spirit, I want to go to this retreat to really learn some things, you know, and I want to know what it is that you would have for me to do. 
peer review, move to the next one, please. I wanted to know what spirit wanted me to do. So I did a chakra oracle reading on myself. And let me just, this is the card that came up. And so let me just tell you about this card first. It's called Root Girl, and it's the disowned self within us. And if you look at the picture really closely, you can see that there's a tree there that has a face. And that face is, I re recognize it as this, our sacred expressive life force, our divine oneness. And if you look even closer, you can see a little girl sitting there, right there, nestled on the arms of that tree. You see it? Can you see her? Right, that's us. That was me in that moment. I was so ashamed. I just, I couldn't even show, I didn't want to show my face. And there I was nestled into my sacred expressive life force, that connection with God, trying to feel safe, trying to feel okay, trying to feel good enough. But let me just also tell you about the card itself. This is the orange card and the orange, and it represents the orange chakra, which is our sacral chakra. And our sacral chakra that is located here is it has certain things that it, in, it is our energy portal that is about self-acceptance, creative expression, our divine feminine, healthy emotions, and the inner child. My goodness, why would that come up? <laughs> and so as I looked at that chord, it resonated and I began to read what it was all, what the story behind this was. And I began to, it resonated so deeply with me that I knew my mission going to the retreat was to find a sense of acceptance for not just the good parts of me, the things that I've done right, the intellectual self of me, that piece of me that everybody says, oh, you're so pretty, oh, look at those eyes. The heck with all of that. There was a deeper wounding there that I also needed to accept, and I was not doing that. And it, it, it manifested itself just days before I was to go to this retreat, and I needed to have some mission to come back with. And of course, throughout that whole retreat, they talked about self-acceptance, playing small, <laughs> um, coming out of the closet. But this card also, it's a part of us that has embodied the deeply flawed perception of ourselves. That's what the root girl represents. That part of us that we don't really want anybody else to know about is that homeless child inside of us that we ourselves have abandoned, neglected, ignored, denied, yet is still a part of us. She's crying and he's crying for attention, acceptance and love. That disowned self, a hidden beauty within us that needs to be reconciled and brought to the light so they can be a part of us, so that we can be whole, completely whole. So the root girl sets at the base of the tree of sex, our sacred expressive life force, comfortable because we're accepted there. In our spiritual walk, 
We go there and we rest and we find acceptance and we say, I like it here. But we run the risk of being stuck there because that's not where spirit wants us to go. Yes, we want to come back to be replenished, to be refreshed, to be renewed. But spirit never, never wanted us to stay nestled there with our face turned away from the world that we have called, we have been called to minister to. And that's what I had done in that moment. I was so ashamed. I roomed, me and Nancy roomed together. We were there, I mean, I, I think it was the, probably the, the day before we were getting ready to leave before I actually admitted to Nancy what had happened. That's how ashamed I was. And, but that was also the work that I was to do. And so I left there knowing that I could no longer play small, not because the nap of my hair, the thickness of my lips, the color of my skin, not because I'm not as thin as everybody else, not because I'm you know, not as good as somebody else, but because I'm supposed to show up as just me. And nobody can do me better than me, okay? <laughs> but as I said, over time, we risk staying there and we become comfortable. But at the same time, we've learned to, to repress ourselves. We look outside ourselves and we see everybody else living the Vila Loca and doing what spirit has called them to do. Then we get jealous. We become envious. We want to talk about and judge them because they are in their calling and we've decided to just nestle in. See, we're doing our spiritual work. We're growing, we're learning. But then we turn around and we want to lash out because we're seeing everybody else doing what they're supposed to be, they are called to do. We lash out against ourselves and others. We want to ignore it, we want to push aside, we want to erase all of the things that we've been going through while refusing to acknowledge these undesirable qualities. And yes, I said qualities. These are qualities, our mistakes, our poor choices, our, our meager beginnings, they're all a part of us. They belong to us. And if we're a part of that. In her book, Alice Walker again, we are the ones we have been waiting for she challenges us to confront the eraser mentality. So I got an exercise for all of us to do. Right now, I want you to think about all those many things that you truly in your life have wanted to erase, whether it be your particular actions, a certain person, a decision. Think about all those things that you wanted to erase. Just think about it for a moment. Just set with a thought of erasing yourself so that the egos of others can be more comfortable, so that you can be less threatening to those who say that you're too bright, you're too loud, you're too whatever. Just think about that for a moment. Now let's go a step further. I want you to shift to the open space next to you, wherever it is, get some space and shift to that other space. Just shift over there. Everybody, just shift one over, whatever. How about you do that? Now I want you to look back at that space where you were. Okay? 
you have just removed yourself from that essence, from that space. We call it erasing ourselves in that moment. But Alice Walker says that even though we erase ourselves, yes, that seat and that cushion is still of itself, but there's an essence of us that still remained. So we can do all that we want to do or try to do to erase our presence in that situation, but there is residue, the essence of who we are that is left behind. And so we touch everything and everything touches us and we cannot move forward without it. Everything is a part of us. And so I, I, I go back to and I, I want you to, to get this because we are an expression of God. Do we agree? Yes. Okay. I affirm it by saying I am the physical expression of God's non-physical Holy Spirit. I am that I am. Okay. And so if for, for this, all of us, this, this, our lives that we have, we are the expressions of God. The wounds that we have are expressions of God. Just imagine that, that the wounds, the pains that we have experienced are also an expression of God that moves through us. Just and then if we, if we really think about that, that there are expressions of God within us that were conditioned to believe that we're not whole, that our true self is somehow not enough. That too is an expression of God. So who are we to deny God's expression that comes through us? And I believe that if we then, you know, that, that, that all of those things that, that we have gone through, some of what makes us who we are, are our inherited weaknesses that our ancestors have passed down to us. That too is an expression of God. And so if we think about all of those things that we've gone through, that that's just God expressing themselves through us. The mother, father, God is expressing themselves through us in all of their different variations of, of, of life, of feelings, of emotions. The complete essence of God moving through us. Then we'll look at our pains and our past wounds differently. And so I, I really want you to think about the, the beautiful versions of God that are rooted in our pains and that as we let them come through in our own way, that sacred expressive life force, we begin to become the messengers of God in the most unique way. But none of it, all of that we try to erase, all the bad stuff that we think is bad, none of us makes us less godlike. As Alice Walker said, even though we leave the space, there's still an essence, a residue of us that has touched that space and it will never be the same because we were there. And so I, I like the, the feeling of that. So, so what if, what if, next one, Perry, what if we literally decided 
erasing ourselves again to, to just truly erase ourselves? What if for a moment we could face ourselves instead of wanting to erase ourselves? What if we took a moment to really look inward and to ask ourselves the hard questions about our fears, the hard questions of what within us would choose to experience this particular situation? What in us called us to the moment in which we wanted to experience that pain, that person, that outcome for a higher being and purpose within ourselves. Because like I told you, my preparation for this day happened long time, started long time ago. And so the journey was sure. We called it into our experience. At that time, I didn't, that wasn't what I wanted. What? I, I never, why would I want to call a scammer into my experience? So that I could be a messenger later on. But we never know that at the time it's happening. So what if we could see the collateral beauty in all we've gone through? The unmet needs, our unmet needs. What if we, in fact, could embrace them? What if we internalize the statement, all things work together for the good of those who are called by love for purpose in love. What if we could do that? So Perry, if you move to the next one. Um, so instead of erasing ourselves, this is a scripture that comes from the Bible and I love, physicians heal thyselves. We have a tendency to look outside ourselves and, and ask everybody else to minister to us, to heal us, to give us a word of, of inspiration and yada, 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 okay? But let me just say with you, when I got back home from the retreat, God was finishing the work in being accepting of myself. And while I wanted everybody else to tell me how great and wonderful I am, and we all do it, and to inspire us, you can do it, you can do it. Nancy and Bill are great at encouraging me. I have people here that are always encouraging me to get out there and do it. But all of their encouragement is only temporary. It's an insatiable monster when we rely on others to constantly feed us that unmet need. But when I went within myself and Spirit said, now it's time for you to accept that self in you. When I went inside and began to accept me, to think about all the things that I went through and to, to think about how I was really ahead of the game. I was ahead of the curve doing a lot of things. And I had some bright ideas, and I never recognized it at the moment. But then I started saying to that sacred root girl inside of me, I'm sorry. What do you need? What can I give you? What help do you want from me? And in asking me what I could do for me, I was emboldened. I found courage to do some things that I had been stalling on. I found me. And so don't think just because I found me and, and we started the process and it's all, you know, good and cool in the game. It is not. <laughs> yeah. 
our, our wounded self, however that wounded self came into being, it is time for us to embrace the good, the bad, and the in-between of who we are. When we do that, everything we've been searching for begins to illuminate, radiate from within us. The path lights up and we begin to see renewed purpose. And all of the magic, all of it becomes real to us. We live in a society that trains us, and Perry, if you go to the next one, we live in a society that trains us to either to erase ourselves, but I'm going to ask you today to embrace yourself. We embrace ourselves, and, and it's good, you know, it's, it's, it's easy in this society because they, they glorify those people that, that they deem as special or whatever, whatever, but we are special in God's society. We are always perfect. And it's time for us to embrace everything, every piece of us. And so uh, I want you to consider two things when you start wanting to embrace instead of erase yourself. Two things to consider. What if your worst experiences are God's secret formula for getting you to your highest good? What if the very thing we wish we could erase is an expression of God that moves us closer to our divine oneness? Just think about that. Wallace Waddle wrote in his book, The Science of Being Great, in our lowest moment, our most desperate times, we have within us a principal power sufficient to master all that we fear. And if we learn this, we become as one of the gods. Mm 